and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. <clears throat> one of the things that um, was neat when we lived in Petal, and, and I believe we have a similar type thing here, here in the Madison County area, was a, a thing called forensics. Um, forensics, it wasn't just debate, but there was a de- it was something in the school system. It wasn't just debate, but there was a debate element to it. So you'd have these kids, they would, they would, you know, come into a room and they would know they had to argue one side or the other, and they debated. Uh, they would have kids that would do these monologues, these teenagers that would do these beautiful monologues that they wrote themselves, and you would have them do all kind of, all kind of neat things. And I, I was just always amazed by this, to see these teenagers come into this room with a bunch of strangers and just begin to just talk better than me and, and, and just because I don't, the words don't always come. I get excited. Um, you know, these kids were so confident and so, so smart. And I walked away every time I judged a forensics tournament just being wowed by how smart these teenagers were and what a joy it was to see these kids that could just be so smart and so confident. See, that's, that's the thing about a debate sometimes. It really isn't just your knowledge. And it really isn't just a posi- uh, an owning of the facts. But rather, the thing that often wins or loses a debate is the confidence and the style of the speaker. And to see these kids, these teenagers, come and just be so smart was one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen in my life. I love judging these forensics tournaments whenever I was in the pedal area. It was such a, such a joy to do that. Debates are, are, are interesting things. I love a good debate. I love seeing individuals get their facts and kind of think through things and then try to convince you of something, not, not argue you. You know, there's a difference between a debate and an argument, just like, you know, in marriage. You know, we don't argue. We have intense conversations. Uh, you know, debate is kind of like an intense conversation. Um, you know, I, I, lo- I love these debates. You know, we think back through history. There have always been debates. You know, you think back to the 1860s and Lincoln versus Douglas and how they, Abraham Lincoln and Douglas, they went around debating across the Midwest and they pull into these towns and have these hour-long debates about the direction uh, of the nation. You know, we, we see some debates aren't, aren't just historic, but there are some debates that we have now, debates like regular versus decaf, which is no debate. Why, unless your doctor makes you, would you drink decaf? It's just hot Kool-Aid. There's no, no, Tim, decaf, no. We don't do decaf in our office. No, just drink hot water and put some food coloring in there. Same difference. No. They even taste different than regular, than real coffee. It's just, a, you know, I have friends that say when you move to Alabama, no matter who you root for, you have to pick Alabama or Auburn. Like, 
Even then, you have to decide, you have to pick a team. We've got to debate who is our team. You know, there, uh, you know, there are these debates. Uh, of course, one of the, the biggest debates of the last 50 years in, in, in pop culture is the debate about, well, the greatest rock and roll band. Who's the greatest rock and roll band the last, you know, 50 years? And it seems like the debate always isolates upon two bands that you're a fan of, one or the other. Are you a Beatles fan? Or are you a Rolling Stones fan? Now, I'm on Team Beatles. And specifically, I'm on Team Paul. I'm a Paul guy because Maybe I'm Amazed might be the greatest song ever written, non-Beatles edition. I mean, it's just, I just love that song. And so I've always liked the Beatles. And some people argue, well, this is better or that's better. This is why they're better or that's why they're better. But I've always been a Beatles fan. But I'll tell you, I love one of the first real big songs by the Rolling Stones. It's a song, I'm not going to sing it, I promise you. <laughs> Nobody wins when I sing. Um, but it's a song you've heard, Satisfaction. It's a song about a young man driving around, and no matter where he goes, he can't get no satisfaction. I do this, and I can't get no satisfaction. I do that, and I can't get no satisfaction. No matter what he tries to do, he can't get no satisfaction. No matter where he turns, no matter where he goes, he can't get no satisfaction. And the entire song is basically about that. Or as the writer to Ecclesiastes put it, vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. That has welled up within our souls for millennia as humans. Mick Jagger put it like, I can get no satisfaction. Solomon put it like, vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity. <clears throat> Our souls search for satisfaction, don't they? Our souls cry out for something deeper and bigger and better. C.S. Lewis says, uh, it's almost as if our souls long for something other than this, that what we must be made for something other than this. Because what we find so often in life is that old refrain, gosh, nothing satisfies, does it? We try this and we try that, but nothing satisfies. So notice what Jesus says this morning in the text. He says this. I am the true food. And if you eat of my body and drink of my flesh, you will be satisfied. Because I am the true food which comes down from heaven. Your ancestors, they ate the other food and they died. But if you eat of me, if you receive your nourishment from me, then you will never die. Only in him are we truly satisfied. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but, but my wife, Holly, she's a dietitian. And there's a lot of jokes we can make about preachers and dietitians, but we're not going to do that because, you know, it's frankly, that's low-hanging fruit. It's not even worth, you know, addressing. 
you know, so she, so I, I, I've learned a lot about nutrition, not by practice, but by osmosis. I know what I should do. I just choose not to do it. Um, cause you know, gravy is awesome. <laughs> you know? And sure it's not good for us, but it's gravy. I mean, who doesn't like gravy? That's the problem. I guess it's so good. Um, you know, I've learned from her that as much as I try, I really cannot live on a diet of coffee and ice cream. I've tried for years and it doesn't work. So I need to occasionally eat these green things. I think they're called vegetables. Is that what they're called? I'm told I've got to eat them occasionally. Because when I try to live a life of just junk food and candy and sweets and sugar, I'm not healthy. I run out of energy. I get irritable. I, it's not a good thing. I cannot live my life based off junk food. We teach that to our kids, don't we? Jennifer just talked about it with the kids down front. We need a healthy, well-balanced, well-nourished meal for us to be healthy. That's what we need physically for our bodies. We cannot live off false food. We cannot live off junk food alone. So I wonder... I wonder sometimes if we can't get no satisfaction and everything's vanity in our lives because we're not feeding our souls on spiritual food. I wonder sometimes in our life if we're never happy. I wonder sometimes in our life if we're never fully satisfied. It's because we are not truly feasting our souls on Jesus Christ. But we have placed something other than Jesus as the main source of nourishment in our life. And friends, if there's anything in your life other than Jesus Christ that is your source of nourishment that is your source of identity, that is your source of strength, you will never, ever, ever be satisfied. I promise you, friends, if you have placed anything other than Jesus Christ in the center of your life, you will never be satisfied. I promise you. Tim Keller says, when you place anything other than Jesus in the center of your life, even good things, in times they will destroy your life. Even a good thing like work or family or friends, if they aren't properly positioned in our lives, in time they will destroy us. But when Jesus Christ is in the center of our lives, when he is our source of nourishment, when he is our source of life, when he alone is our true life, then we find the satisfaction we can't find anywhere else. We find the purpose and the plan and the joy and the peace and the life that we're so desperately looking for everywhere else. And everywhere else we turn, we come up empty. Because it can't satisfy. What happens when something other than Jesus is the source of our nourishment? One of two things happens. The first is this. We just aren't spiritually grounded. One of the best things I've ever been told in my life is this. Never let your successes go to your head. And never let your failures go to your heart. 
If Jesus Christ is not your spiritual nourishment, if Jesus Christ is not your spiritual anchor, if Jesus Christ is not the king of your heart, then your successes will go to your head. And your failures will go to your heart. When you win, you'll think you're all this. And when you fail, you'll think you're a failure when the truth is neither. You're a beloved child of the king, whether you win or whether you lose. When Jesus Christ is your nourishment, your, your victories are that much sweeter because he's given them to you. But when Jesus Christ is your nourishment, then your defeats are palatable. Because you know what? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Because Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. No matter what. When he is your nourishment, you find your life in the right priority. You find your life where it needs to be when he is your nourishment. And then the other thing that happens is this. If he's not our nourishment, <clears throat> just like, you know, I can't, I can eat my ice cream, my pint of ice cream, and then I'm still hungry. What happens if Jesus Christ is not your nourishment, if he's not your life? You always need more, don't you? We're never satisfied. We've never had enough. It takes one more and one more and one more. And, and the next thing will make me happy. The next gadget, will, I'm a geek, the next phone will make me happy. Or the next house, or the next car, or the next achievement, or the next whatever. When I get this, when I, when I get this, when I win this award, when I receive this, when we get to this point in our life, then I'll be happy. And we reach that point, and guess what? We're not happy. Because our nourishment is not found in Christ. Our nourishment's found in identity, our circumstance, our success our popularity, our power, our whatever. And those things are so fleeting. C.S. Lewis says, never place your happiness on something that you can lose. How many of us in our life have placed our ultimate happiness on something that can't be taken from us? We'll never be fully nourished if our identity is found there. We'll never be fully nourished unless our identity is found in Christ. Either we'll take our successes to our head, our defeats to our heart, or we'll say just a little bit more and then I'll be okay. We'll live like the old Dave Ramsey thing. We'll spend money we don't have to buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. A little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more and we're never happy you know sometimes we spend so much time worried about being happy that we're never actually happy when Jesus Christ is your spiritual food when he is your rock when he is your foundation when he is in the center of your life in your family and it's going to be okay.
no matter what, it's gonna be okay. But if he is not your spiritual food, if he is not your spiritual rock, if he is not your spiritual foundation, I promise you, friends, you're never gonna be happy. You're never gonna be satisfied. No matter what you try, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you push, no matter what you achieve, no matter where you go, no matter what you own, no matter what happens, if Jesus Christ is not your spiritual food, you will never be properly nourished and you will never be properly satisfied. There's a reason why every Sunday you see this right here in the middle of the sanctuary. Because this reminds us our greatest identity, our greatest gift, our greatest grounding in our life is never in anything that we can earn, possess, or get. It is in our baptism, which is in something that God gives to us. He is the giver. And he longs, oh gosh, y'all, he longs for us to be satisfied in him. He longs for us to know life in him. He longs for us to exist in him. Because what happens, y'all, is when he is our spiritual food, then the rest of life is pretty awesome. When things are organized correctly, and he is our rock, our foundation, and our food, then life is frankly amazing. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's smooth or rocky, doesn't matter because God is good. All the time, God is good, and God is good all the time, no matter what. When he is our spiritual food. So this morning, friends, I ask you, are you satisfied? Is your soul satisfied completely? And utterly in Jesus Christ. Or is there something else? Is there something else in your soul pulling you from him? I'm telling you, y'all. If anything other than Jesus is your spiritual food, you'll never be satisfied. But if he is it, that no matter whatever happens, you'll find life more than your mind can ever possibly imagine. This morning, are you satisfied? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of life we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you, O oh God, for our satisfaction we can find in you. We love you so much. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, before our closing invitational hymn, we have uh, something that I'm, frankly, as excited about as I've ever been in my life. We have our...
under our ministry here at St. Matthew's, we have our first adult baptism and profession.